Today on the Blue Collar Blueprint Podcast, we are going to answer the question, how do you get started investing in real estate if you don't have any money to get started with? So stick around because we're going to break that down today. We're also going to answer some great questions in the mailbag, plus a whole lot more. So we're going to get to all of that today. My name is Jonah Wright, and it's my job to give you the tools that you need in order to build a full and successful life from the ground up and with your own two hands. This is the Blue Collar Blueprint Podcast. Well, hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the show. As always, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thanks for being out there in the audience. Whether you're watching this thing, whether you're listening to it, however you consume this podcast, I appreciate you being out there. There's no sense in me doing this if I don't have an audience who's listening to it, who's gaining great value, and who's going into the world and applying this stuff to their lives. Because at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. This podcast exists with the explicit purpose of trying to provide you with information that you can take and apply and improve your life with. That's the goal, and I hope that I'm doing that for you. Now remember, I really need your help in order to keep this thing growing and in order to keep this value coming and this podcast coming up every week because it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money and all of those sort of things. So if you can do your part to help this thing grow, I would really appreciate it. And all you have to do is click a couple little buttons. Click subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, follow me on the socials, couple things like that really help get the word out and this thing will start to grow and I'll be able to continue getting the show out there. So if you don't mind doing that, I would sure appreciate it. Uh, in other news, I wanted to make a quick note that you may notice that my smile is a little bit more grandiose today. And the reason is because this, the glorious facility upon which I record this podcast, The Shed Quarters, is cool. The air conditioner is finished. I know you were really worried about it. It was like you were just, you know, hanging on the edge of your seat. Is the air conditioning going to be prepared this week? Yes. Yes, it is. So fear not. We're in good shape. I am no longer melting in the sauna <laughs> while recording this podcast, and that's a very good thing. So I feel exceptionally grateful. And uh, anyway, I know you really wanted to get an update on that. So there it is. So with all of that stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into the meat and potatoes section of the show today. All right, guys, so today we're going to be talking about a big question, and this is one of those questions that everybody and their mother wants to know the answer to, but for whatever reason, a lot of the resources that are out there don't really drill down on exactly how to do this in a step-by-step -step fashion. So we're going to solve that problem today, and I'm going to show you exactly how you can get started investing in real estate, even if you're in a position in your life right now where you don't have any money to get started with. Now, let's get this right off the bat. It's going to be a little bit more challenging, right? We all know the old saying, it takes money to make money. Well, it's kind of true, right? I mean, it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier to get invested in real estate once you have access to some cash. So our goal is to do a, a flip, right? We want to do a deal where we can put a bunch of cash into our control so that we can create what we call an operating account so that when we move on to our second deal, then we'll have access to some resources that we can use to get loans and to do whatever we have to do in order to move our way into the next project and the next one and next one and start that snowball rolling so we can move ourselves in the direction of the financial freedom that we're trying to create. So all that said, we have to get started somewhere. So how are we going to do it? Well, what we're going to do is utilize partnerships. Now, partnerships in a real estate context are super simple to understand. There's nothing confusing about it. Now, you probably understand the, the basic idea already, right? I mean, you go out into the world, you find a deal, 
if you don't have the money to buy the deal, you're going to find a partner that you can bring in who does have the money to bring the deal and you're going to trade off. Basically, he provides the funds and you provide the work, right? The sweat equity, the boots on the ground stuff that it takes in order to get this house fixed up to manage it, to go in there and utilize your blue collar skills to actually lift this thing up to where it needs to be so you can then sell it and then split the profits however you and your partner agree. Whether you're splitting it 50-50 or 70-30 or however it works out is sort of irrelevant, but that's the basic idea of how a partnership in real estate can work. Now, what if you're in a situation where you're, you don't have somebody that you know who you can partner up with? I mean, the reality is a whole lot of us out in the world just don't have people in our networks who have access to the kind of money that you need in order to, you know, invest in a piece of real estate. What if you none of your friends have money, none of your family, nobody in your circle? What do you do in that situation? Well, that's really what we're going to focus on today because this strategy that we're going to be talking about today is still going to be involving utilizing a partnership but we're gonna do it in a unique way because what we're going to do instead of bringing a third party into the deal to finance the project is we're actually going to create a partnership with the guy who already owns the house that you want to get invested in now how does that work right how does it work if you want to partner up with the person who is selling you the house well frankly it works the exact same way that any other partnership works. It works the same way as the partnership I laid out just a moment ago. Except in that situation, one guy puts up the money and you put in the work, then you fix it up, you sell it, and you split the profits. Well, this is, works the same way, except that your partner in this instance doesn't have to go through the process of coming up with the money and buying the house because he already owns it, right? So the guy just has to hand you the keys so that you can go in there, fix it up, sell it and then split the profit. So that's the basic idea of how this works. Now, obviously there's a lot more details to that and we're gonna dive into those things in just a moment. Uh, but the bottom line is I want you to understand that this method is extraordinarily powerful. So for somebody who's in a situation where they don't have a lot of resources that they can use to buy a house in the traditional way. In fact, when I got started in real estate, this is the exact method that I used in order to do my very first real estate deal, seriously. And when I got started, let me tell you what, I was broke. I mean, I was like legit poor, okay? Um, I had no savings. I mean, virtually no cash available to me. I had a, a really, really menial income, barely making any money at all. And in fact, I had a literally negative $70,000 net worth when I got started investing in real estate. And the reason for that wasn't because I did anything wrong. I just happened to get into the market at the wrong time. See, what happened is I invested my life savings into buying my first house when I was 18 years old in 2007, <laughs> okay? Uh, unfortunately, the crash of 2008 wiped out the equity that I had in that house, and I literally landed in a position where my house was worth $70,000 less than I had a mortgage on it for at that time. So I was super broke. But using the strategy we're gonna be talking about today, learning and then executing the process of partnering with the seller was how I was able to get my foot in the door, pull myself out of that hole, and then snowball my position to where I am today talking to you and you can do that too so this is exciting stuff make sure you listen close and uh, take down some notes if you need to 
This might be one of those episodes you'll want to watch a couple of times because the concept is a little unusual, right? A lot of people haven't heard of this method, and that's okay. But I promise you it's all above board. It's totally doable, and uh, we'll go ahead and break it down. So what we're going to do uh, in this case, I think the best way to show you how these sort of deals might work is to play out a scenario, right? So we're going to kind of like walk through an imaginary deal that we're going to put together, just you and I on the podcast right now. And what this is going to do is help you understand exactly how everything Thing breaks down, but it's also going to help you see how you can literally present this opportunity to a potential partner, i.e. present this to a potential homeowner who you want to partner up with and buy their house and flip their house. So step number one, just like it would be with any other investment opportunity, is to simply identify a deal that you're interested in investing in. You find a house that you like, you think that there's potential there, Cool. Step step number one is out of the place. Now, what we're going to do at this point is simply do some research, right? We need to know some information about this property so that we can figure out and you know know what we need to do. How much will this house sell for once we have fixed it up? How much money will it cost to fix the house up? And how much can I pay for the house in order to make money on it, right? Uh, so we need to know all of these numbers. So uh, if, if you didn't see my episode a couple of weeks back, the episode is called How to Make $50,000 in 30 Days. Make sure you go back to that episode because we break down the math that we're about to do together in much more detail over there. So make sure you check that out and you know a little bit more detail about how this math works, but we're going to go through that simple math right now um, in, in this sort of imaginary deal that we're going to game out. So let's say that we look around at a particular neighborhood that we like and we find a house in this neighborhood and we know that houses that are similar to the one that we're interested in, the subject property in this neighborhood, if they have been nicely fixed up and repaired and decorated and all that kind of thing, let's say that houses like that might sell for $500,000. Now, $500,000 is what we call our ARV. That means after repair value. That's how much the house we want to buy will be worth after we've repaired it. Makes sense. So that's the starting line. And what we're going to do is start at that $500,000, and then we're going to start subtracting backwards from there until we land at a number that we will be able to purchase that house for in order to do this deal. So starting at 500,000, the first thing we're going to do is take 7% off of the top of 500,000. And that 7% is for closing costs. It pays for realtor fees, it pays for title, it pays for all the other miscellaneous crap that you have to pay for once you've completed the entire project and you are selling it to the future buyer. So 7% minus 500,000 leaves us at $465,000. Now just to keep the math simple, let's say that we go through the house, we determine everything that needs to be done in this renovation, all the plumbing, all the electrical, all the flooring and bathrooms and kitchens and doors and windows and roofs and whatever has to be done. We come up with a budget and let's say that that is that stuff, all the things that need to happen will be about $65,000. So we're going to tape our 465 and we're going to back out the renovation costs, which leaves us at $400,000. At this point, we're going to decide how much profit do I need to make on this deal in order to make it worth my while? Well, let's say we need to make $50,000 because there's a lot of work that needs to go into this. We're exposing ourselves to a certain degree of risk, right? All of these sort of things. So we need to make 50 grand in order to make the juice worth the squeeze. So we take our 400,000 and we subtract out 50 grand for our profit, leaving us with 350 grand. Now, normally at this point, what we would do is subtract our holding costs from the 350. Now, holding costs would be things like water, electric, 
taxes, insurance, but the big chunk that usually comes out of the holding costs is how much money will you have to pay in mortgage fees or in interest fees, depending on how you went about buying this loan. So if you had to make $20,000 in uh, mortgage fees, you might subtract $20,000 for your holding costs. But in this case, you're going to be partnering up with the person who already owns the house. And so if you negotiate the deal right, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit, but if you negotiate the deal right, you don't have to worry about any closing costs, right? So we don't have to subtract anything out of there. What we will want to do, however, is subtract out the amount of money that we want to offer the seller on behalf of the partnership. How much will the seller earn on top of the sale of the house in order to be willing to partner with you on this deal? So let's say, just to keep the math really simple here, that you want to do a 50-50 split. So if you're going to make 50 grand, then you're going to subtract out an additional $50,000 in order to pay your partner for agreeing to do this partnership with you, which leaves us with a final number of $300,000. That is the amount of money that we are going to offer our partner, the seller, um, in order to purchase that property. So the first thing that we're going to do, at, now that we've done all this math, we've done the research, we know what reno needs to be done, we know what the house will be worth, and all of that great stuff, um, the first thing you're going to do is approach the guy and say, hey dude, look, I did a little bit of evaluation on your property and you tell them the whole shebang. Don't hide any numbers. Put everything out on the table. You don't need to be shy about this. You want to enter into a partnership dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars with this dude. So make sure you're being completely forthright. You don't want to be shady. You don't want to be secretive. Just put all your cards out on the table and tell them exactly what you have going on. I think we can sell this thing for 500,000. Uh, but as you, as you and I both know, this thing needs a lot of work. The problem is, is that I can't pay you 500,000 because you got to do the roof, you got to do the kitchen, you got to do the floors, you got all of the stuff that has to happen. So as it stands right now, your property, as far as an investor is concerned, is worth $300,000 in its current state. Now, obviously, $300,000 means that you've got to leave a pretty good chunk of money on the table because there's so much room left in there, uh, potentially, if you were to go through doing all these things. So I've got a proposal for you. Instead of just letting the house go for $300,000, what I would like to do is offer you the opportunity for me to fix your house up completely free to you. Allow me to remodel your house for free, okay? Let me say it again, I want to do everything to this property that needs to be done to get it totally fixed up, to make it shiny and bright and new and beautiful for free. It won't cost you a single dollar. It won't take a single moment of your time. All I need you to do is shake your head and say, yes, hand me the keys and I will go out there and I will do all of this work totally at my own expense. And then what will happen is we're going to fix this thing up and we're going to sell it for $500,000. Now, once we sell it, what's going to happen is I am going to pay you the $300,000 that the property is currently worth right now in its current condition. Plus, I'm going to give you 50% of the profits that we make in addition to that. Now, according to the math that I've done, my expectation is that we've got about $100,000 of profit that could be made on this deal. So if we split it 50 50, I'll get 50, you'll get 50 plus the 300 grand that your house is currently worth. And here's the, here's the great thing about this. I'm going to do all of it within one year, right? So I have one year from the, the day that you say yes and we get started on this thing to fix it up, to do everything I've got to do and to sell this thing and get you your money. And if I don't do this within the one year time frame, guess what? 
I have to walk away from this deal and you get to keep the house with all of the renovations and all of the work and all of the money that I invest into this thing. So that will protect you so that I'm not just going to like, you know, <laughs> hitch myself to your house for the rest of your life. Well, I've only got a one year window. And so this thing is about as safe as can be. The best thing that's going to happen is you're going to get your 350 plus half of the profits from the flip. Worst thing that's going to happen is you get to keep a house that's been totally remodeled for free by me. What do you say? Now, if this guy knows what he's talking about, he's going to be like, uh, hell yeah, you know, this is an incredible deal. I mean, obviously, if you think about it, if somebody is in a situation where they don't need the money right this moment, and they can wait a couple of months while somebody goes in there and remodels their house for free, then hell yeah, they would take that opportunity. Because the reality is, if you're willing to pay the guy 300 grand, that's the number that virtually all other real estate investors are going to offer the guy, right? So it's not like he can just throw it on the market and make more than that anyway. It's worth what it's worth in its current condition. It needs a lot of love, it needs a lot of money, it needs a lot of time and effort and all of this kind of stuff, and that drives that value down. So you are often offering this guy an opportunity to not just give him the amount of money that it's worth right now, but you're offering him all of that potential upside, 50% of the profits if we're working it out in this way. And so this is a great way to leverage yourself into a situation where you can gain access to a piece of property without ever having to spend a nickel of your own money in order to gain control of that property and then utilize that opportunity to flip that sucker into 50,000 cold hard dollars that you will then begin to use and do whatever you got to do with it next. So obviously, I think this is a phenomenal deal, not only for you, but also for your seller. You guys can both make money and both do really well. So obviously, if the dude says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, then go out there, do the deal. Whip that sucker into shape, make some money for him, make some money for yourself, and go out there and do your next deal, and then your next one, and so on and so forth, and create that passive income and that financial freedom that you've always dreamed about. That's what this whole thing is about. So... I'll tell you what, man, once you do a deal like this, it's going to open up opportunities a hundredfold. So <laughs> I'm getting really excited just thinking about this because I'm just imagining somebody out there listening and being exposed to this idea for the first time and planting a seed and just having the opportunity to hear one of you guys go out there and really execute this thing and begin an incredible career. So I'm excited about whenever that happens, but I do want to make sure that we take a step back and and really just get clear on the fact that these deals are a little bit harder to put together than your typical fix and flip type deal. Why is it harder? Well, because it's unusual, right? It's kind of a weird idea. I mean, a ton of real estate investors have never even heard of an idea like this, let alone just normal guys who are trying to sell their house, especially a house that's kind of run down and needs a lot of time and money and everything else. So, you know, be prepared to answer questions, explain everything thoroughly, and, and it's okay if, uh, you know, people are going to be skeptical about it at first. They might think, oh man, this guy must be trying to scam me. I mean, you know, I mean, let's be honest. If somebody was like, I'd like to remodel your house, for free, I'd be like, oh, I mean, that sounds great. But so it's your duty to make sure that you can clearly ex explain to them how the whole process works to help them trust you, to like you, to understand that you're a blue collar professional, whatever your trade is. Obviously, you're going to be able to utilize those skills. You've got people in the business who you know. I mean, there's a lot of different benefits that you can use to help people understand this. But one thing that we have to understand is that not everybody is going to agree to do this. Some people aren't going to like that they're going to have to wait in order to get their check. They'd rather just take the 300 now and just run off and do it. 
Now, if that happens, take the opportunity to wholesale the deal. Say, okay, that's great. Get it under contract. Go out and find yourself an investor who will pay you ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, whatever you can get for it, uh, to take that deal from you as an assignment fee. If that happens, okay, that's not the worst thing in the world either. Uh, but the reality is, guys, you know, you should expect people to say no. Okay, you're going to offer them this opportunity. You're going to go through this whole great spiel. You're going to follow this great script. And then they're going to say no, and they're going to say no, and then the next guy's going to say no, and he's going to say no, and no, and no, and no, and no. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the rule of thumb is you should expect 99 no's before you hit the one yes. But that's kind of the point, right? You only need one yes in order to get started, okay? So as far as I'm concerned, every time you get a no, then great. That means you're one step closer to the top of the mountain, right? You're one step closer to that yes. So be in the mindset that you're going to go out there and you're going to start collecting no's, right? You're going to be a connoisseur of no's. You're going to go out and you're going to collect as many damn no's as you can because the faster you collect the no's, the quicker you are going to get to that yes and the quicker you're going to get the ball rolling in your investment career and that's what we're ultimately looking to do. So uh, let's go ahead and answer a couple of questions because I'm sure there's a few things that are like striking out to you. And the first and foremost one might be is, okay, great, now I have the control of the house. I didn't have to spend any money to get control of the property, but how am I going to do the fixing it up part for free, right? Like how am I going to finance all of the improvements? In our example that we used before, we said you need $65,000 in order to get this thing improved. Now, this is one of those things where you're going to have to be creative. And let me say before we dive into the answers that don't worry about this so much, okay? Focus on trying to get the deal locked down. That's number one. Get the deal locked down. You don't really, you're not going to be putting down a deposit. You're not going to be, you know, you, you really don't have any skin in the game until you actually start investing money. Um, so don't be freaking out and being like, oh no, I can't start collecting my nose until I have every little thing in line. Don't worry about that. Go out there and start finding the deals. Once you have a deal, you will be able to find resources in order to get it put together. One of the resources that you can use is another partner, right? I mean, you can simply go out and find somebody who has say $60,000 that they'd be willing to loan you for a solid interest rate, or maybe they'll loan it to you as in exchange for a share of your profits. Maybe you say, okay, I'll offer you 10% of my profits. So if you have $50,000 slated in for yourself, maybe you'll be willing to pay somebody 5,000 of that in order to borrow their money to do the repairs. Maybe you can do a, you know, an interest rate. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can structure that. So bringing in a partner on the on the funding of the improvement side is certainly one way that you can do it. Personally, as when I did my very first opportunity, and I'll talk a little bit more about how that whole project went down in a couple of minutes, but when I did my very first project, I told you I was broke. I had no money at all. But what I did have was excellent credit. Why did I have excellent credit? Because I worked on it, right? And because I have always paid my bills exactly the way that I said. And that's ultimately what credit is usually about. You pay your bills exactly the way that you are expected to pay it. So if you don't have a credit score, you need to stop whatever the hell you are doing right now and go out there and begin the process of building a good credit score. There's a gazillion articles online. I'm sure we'll talk more about this in other segments of the show, but get out there and start building credit right now. You do not have time to waste. You have to get yourself a good credit. You're not going to be an investor if you don't have good credit, period. Okay, so make sure you have solid and good credit. That's important. If you do have good credit, then 
do what I did and utilize credit cards. Okay. I had great credit cards. And despite the fact that I had no cash and I had a very low income at the time, I had a lot of access to money on credit cards. I probably had maybe 50 to $75,000 worth of credit cards on plastic in my wallet at that time. Today, I've got like hundreds of thousands of dollars on plastic in my wallet that I use. And to this day, I still utilize credit cards in order to buy materials and to pay vendors and to do all kinds of different things. And I do that because I'm jealous of my cash, right? I've got a limited amount of cash. Now it's a bigger pile than it used to be, but I have only got so much of it, right? And that cash is very useful when I find an opportunity that I want. So if I see a deal that I like, I want to use that cash to buy the deal. I don't want to gobble up my cash, you know, throwing it into granite countertops and kitchen cabinets and flooring and stuff on a flip project. So what I do instead is I break out my handy dandy credit cards. I swipe that sucker. I put the house together. And then on the day that that house sells, I pay every single one of those credit cards down to zero. Now, obviously I'm paying high interest rates in many cases. Sometimes you can get good deals, right? They offer 0% APRs, use that, leverage that as much as you can. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a worthwhile exchange because I'm borrowing somebody else's money, OPM, right? Other people's money. That's a really valuable way in order to get involved in real estate and to fund the improvements. So if you don't have access to credit cards, go out and get yourself some. Um, if you don't have a good credit score, you got to fix that like right now. If you do have a handful of credit cards, but you're, you're thinking like, yeah, you know, I've only got a few thousand dollars on three or four cards, get on the phone and give them a call. You'll be amazed that people are willing to just up your rates like crazy. I think my very first credit card, and I'm thinking back to when I did my first deal, I think I had like an $8,000 credit limit. I called them up and I said, hey, can you increase my credit line? And they said, sure, what are you thinking? And I was like, $25,000? And they were like, Okay, no problem. And then like literally clicked a button. Now I had my credit card went from $8,000 to 25 grand. That was like half of the cost of the improvements that I needed on one card. So if you can do that on a couple of cards, wham, bam, you're going to have access to those resources. So, um, you know, and another thing you can think about too, if you're thinking like, okay, I don't have access to credit cards. I don't have this. I don't know the people with the partners. Can you get involved with a partner who has access to credit cards? Maybe your partner doesn't have money, but if he has credit cards and he'll be let you use them, then hello, you know, you can put this together. You've got to be willing to figure it out. But I'll tell you, if you put a deal together like the one that we demonstrated here where you've got $50,000 of solid positive income coming in on this deal and you came to somebody, anybody who knows what they're talking about, even a little bit, they're going to partner up with you, okay? They'll be willing to help you out, especially if you're a trustworthy, hardworking, hungry, motivated young buck who's just getting out there and getting started and, you know, you'll do whatever it takes in order to make this deal work. You're going to find somebody who can do it. So don't be afraid of it. Just, just you know, look the lion in the mouth and just freaking be like, look, bitch, we're doing this thing and then go out there and figure it out. I promise you, you'll work it out. So that's a couple of ideas on how you can fund the deal. Next big question we get is how do we find these deals? Now look, okay, sourcing deals, whether it's to partner up with the seller or to do any other rental or fix and flip or any kind of investment is like the big thing that everybody wants to know how to do. It's a huge topic and I just don't have time to dive into a thousand different ways that you can do it because that's the reality. There are a thousand ways to find deals out in the world, but I do have a couple thoughts that I want to leave you with before uh, I, I don't want to leave you high and dry. 
First off, you can utilize online tools. Every single house that goes up for sale is now online, right? You can find it on Zillow, you can find it on Realtor.com, on Trulia, you can get your Realtor to send you, uh, you know, listings, all kinds of stuff. So go out there and just keep your eye out. If you're like me and you particularly like certain neighborhoods, right? Neighborhoods that you're familiar with, neighborhoods where you know where you can sell them up high, but oftentimes you can buy them down low. You know, you can set up searches on Zillow where it'll just tell you every time a property like that pops up. And that's a great thing. So make sure that you're out there and you're just looking at what's going on in the market. Make sure you know about new deals that are popping on. The last, well, not the last deal that I did, that one was off market deal, but the last several that I did before that were just deals that popped up on MLS in the neighborhood that I like. I saw them pop up. Went over there and took a look. My wife and I agreed. We bought the houses, and we did that uh, three times in a row uh, in the last year or so. So that's a great thing. You can find deals online all the time. Not a big deal. Another way to do this is to go and put in the work, right? Literally, you can walk around neighborhoods that you want to invest in and knock on people's doors. Hi, my name is Jonah, and I want to remodel your house for free if you'd be interested in selling it and partnering up with me. If they seem interested, then great. Go on to the rest of the spiel. See if you can put the deal together. If they don't, no problem. That's one no closer to the yes, right? That's okay. And remember, most people are going to say no. Don't worry about it. Don't let your feelings did hurt. Don't get all worked up about it. But just go out there and start asking people. I like to drive around. I'll see a house that looks like a pile of crap, right? I mean, you know, there's a hole in the roof and the grass is a mile high. I'll go up and knock on the door. Hey, how's it going? I'm, I buy houses. I'm a remodel man. I'm a building contractor. You want to partner up and sell this house? You never know, man. I mean, you can literally go around and do that. If you're willing to put in the work, you'll be amazed at what's going to fall in your lap. Um, another way to do this, of course, is to simply find them out in the wild. My very last deal that I just put together was found because I got hired to do my blue-collar job, right? I got hired to do some drywall work. I got to talking to the people, and I ended up buying their house. You can do that, too. You should be talking to everybody all the damn time. Can I buy your house? Do you want to buy your house? Do you know anybody who wants to buy their house? Not only do you want to buy it, but do you want to partner with me, right? I mean, just get out there and be talking to people. Open your face and ask. You'll be amazed at what happens. The universe wants to give you what you want, right? So open your mouth and ask for it, and the universe will be like, here you go, and it'll dangle something down in front of you. Now, if you don't take it and snatch that sucker out of the universe's hands, he's going to pull that baby back, and he's going to be resistant to give it to you. So make sure that you ask for it, and you take it when it comes. Don't let good opportunities pass by, because that's a great way to to find yourself in a ditch. Don't do that. Get out there and find yourself a deal. Um, you know, and the last thing that I want to leave you with real quick is that if you're in a situation right now where you're renting a house, okay, if it's like most rental houses, it's probably a little bit beat up. It's a little bit neglected, maybe. Call your landlord and ask him if he'd be willing to sell it to you, right? Ask him if he'd be willing to partner with you. You can say, look, I'm going to continue living here. I will fix up the house for you, blah, 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 blah. Go through the whole process. See what he says. If he says no, maybe he knows somebody who, you know, who he was talking to, one of his landlord buddies who doesn't like being a landlord anymore and might have an opportunity. You never know unless you open your mouth and ask for it. So make sure you're out there asking for it, okay? Um, next question. Do I have to share half of the profits? Do we have to structure it exactly the way that we played out in our little scenario earlier? No, right? No, absolutely not. This is one of the great things about real estate is that you can be so incredibly creative with everything that you do in real estate. You can structure all kinds of different deals in all kinds of different ways and literally do pretty much whatever you want. As long as you're winning and as long as you know the other party is winning, everybody makes money and everybody's satisfied with the deal, 
go for it, baby. You can do it however you want. So you can decide now, nah, you know, maybe I don't need to do a 50-50 deal. Maybe this person I think would be happy if they made $25,000. Maybe we'll do a 75-25 deal. I keep 75%, he gets 25%. Or you don't even have to offer them a percentage at all. Some people don't like the idea of, whoa, what if we don't make that much money? Some people like the idea of having a flat fee, right? Where you would say, look, I'm, your house is worth 300000 I will pay you a $25,000 flat fee no matter what happens. Don't care how much I pay. It doesn't matter how much I make. I'll pay you the extra $25,000 uh, at the end of this thing. And that's just going to be a flat rate. Now, hopefully you will make more. You know, you can do better in those kind of situations. But now you've got a negotiating the tool and the guy might go, eh, I don't know, 25 grand. I got to wait around for up to a year. You say, OK, how about 30? How about 35? Right. And you can you can negotiate with these things. And that's a great thing. Same thing with a mortgage. What if the guy has a mortgage? Well, I mean, ideally, in an ideal situation, the guy's already paying the mortgage. So maybe that's just his deal in the partnership. Right. Your deal is do exactly what you're doing now. Just hand me the keys and leave me alone. Right. I go in there and I take control of this house. And this is a side note before I get carried away with all this. You are the one who is going to have control of this house. The seller has nothing to say about anything, and this needs to be in writing. You need to make sure that they understand that you are in control of this deal. They don't get to pick the color. They don't get to pick what you do, what you don't do. You're the one doing the remodel. You're the one buying it. You're the one doing the work and paying for all of this stuff. So you get to choose. Make sure in writing that you get the partner to agree that they will not be involved in the process of remodeling this house at all. All they're going to do is continue owning it back to my mortgage thing. So if he has a mortgage, you can say, hey, look, yeah, you're just going to continue paying the mortgage. If he's in a situation where he needs to get this mortgage off his hands, maybe he lost a job or maybe he inherited a house and doesn't want to pay the mortgage anymore or whatever. Um, now it's a negotiating tool, right? Maybe you pick up the bill. Maybe you say, don't worry about it. I'll pay the mortgage. Maybe you split it. He pays half, you pay half. There's a thousand different ways to structure this. Use it as a negotiating tool. And if you are assuming more you know, costs, right? If you have to make mortgage payments, just make sure when you're doing your math that you estimate how much that's going to cost and back it out of the numbers and make sure all of those numbers back out. That's okay to do. And if you present the guy of you know the 300000 and he goes, look, I'm, I, this all sounds great, but you got to pay the mortgage. You say, okay, great, no problem. That offers now 280. If you can do it for 280, no problem. I'll pay the the mortgage through the whole process of the deal. Let's do it. Do you see what I mean? Um, be flexible on this, but don't be don't don't allow yourself to get into a situation where your math gets out of whack. Make sure that the numbers are working in your favor and doing what you need so that you can get the deal that you want. Again, you've got to be happy, and the seller has to be happy. You're a partnership. You want to make sure that everybody's getting what they need. So figure it out and be creative so you can work it out however you want. Just to give you a quick example, my very first deal, as I mentioned in the very beginning of this segment, the first deal I ever did was exactly this strategy, right? I mean, I literally got into my first property by partnering with people who had who had recently bought a house. And I'll go through the story so you see exactly how it worked. Uh, basically, what happened was a church bought a piece of property with the intent of demolishing the house that was on the property and building their church building on there. Great. They paid $100,000 for this, you know, couple acres of property and had a three bedroom house and the house was like total dog meat. I mean, it was in bad shape, bad, bad, bad. The people would live there before yank the wires out of the walls. I mean, it was like a freaking nightmare, terrible condition. Uh, so they, but they didn't care because their plan was to bulldoze the house and build a church. 
The problem was they didn't do all of the necessary uh, legwork to know whether or not, you know, their due diligence, whether or not they were actually going to be able to build the church building that they wanted to build. Well, it turned out that they weren't going to be able to do it in the way that they thought. So what happened was the property elevation was here, but the state said, no, no, you're not allowed to build a church building unless the elevation is here, which means they were going to have to ship in about $100,000 of dirt in order to build this land up high enough in order for them to build their church building. And so this $100,000 in dirt was not in their budget. And so now they were like, crap, you know, we're stuck with this house. And this piece of property, and we're out our hundred thousand dollars. Well, what are we gonna do? Well, I found out about this, right? And so walked in there, and I was like, "Hey, I'll tell you what you do. You give me the keys. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna fix up the house, and I go through the whole spiel, right? I'm gonna fix it up at my expense. I'm gonna do all the remodel, all of the work to it. It's not gonna cost you a dime. You give me one year. Once I sell it." I will pay you back your hundred thousand that you bought the house for, plus a ten thousand dollar fee for letting me have the time. What do you think? And they were like, that sounds great. I mean, they were like literally thrilled by the idea because they were stuck with this house. They didn't want it anymore. They wanted their hundred grand back and they wanted to go out and buy a different property to build their church on. Well, I was able to solve that problem for them. And not only did they get their hundred grand back, but they got a hundred and ten back, right? So they got extra money on the deal. They actually made money on the process. They were happy. I was happy. Um, of course I was happy because at the end of the day, I ended up putting about 40, 40 or $50,000 in my pocket, which, like I said, at this time was a multiple of the amount of money I was making in a year. And I did all of this stuff working on nights and weekends. And again, by swiping that credit card and I got a hell of an education on this property. I mean, like I said, it was in real bad shape. And at the time I wasn't even a skilled blue collar guy, right? Uh, I, I was kind of handy around the periphery, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I learned a whole lot of stuff at that time. Um, and I put my first deal together and I made a big fat pile of money and I took that money and I leveraged it into my next deal. And then I rolled that money into the next one and that sucker just started going and that snowball will get big real quick if you're using your brain and if you're doing it wisely, which is what I tried to do some bumps and bruises along the way. But nonetheless, that's exactly how I get started. So you can see in that situation, there was no mortgage to deal with. So nobody had to pay any money. Um, I didn't offer them a percentage of the profits. I only offered them a flat rate. And in this case, it was $10,000. Now, granted, they were making 10% of the $100,000 as profit for partnering up with me. So they were happy with that. Um, so the bottom line, and I guess what I'm trying to get across to you is that there's a million different ways to put a deal like this together. All you have to do is ask, look for opportunity and be aware that this option exists. Yes, it's a little bit harder to put together. Not only do you have to find a great deal, but you have to get that guy to agree and understand what you're trying to accomplish. But despite the fact that it's a little bit harder, it is a thousand percent worth it because once you're done, you'll have that operating account in your hands and you can get out there and start kicking butt and taking names in a more traditional way. Now you'll be able to put down payments on a mortgage or put a down payment on a, on a hard money loan or whatever the case is, whatever you got to do in order to do those next deals. It's really, really valuable. Not to mention, if you start your investment career by doing a particularly difficult job and you come out the other side smelling like a rose with a big fat pile of cash in your hand, man, that's going to be like getting getting the first one out of the way you know you're gonna like do a hard thing first it's a great way to build up momentum and you'll know you'll know that you can do this you know that you'll be able to go forward and be successful 
So I can't encourage you enough to, you know, the second that this podcast is over, get out there and start collecting your nose and do whatever you got to do to put together your first real estate investment, despite the fact that you don't have any money. Get yourself a partner, bring in a third party partner or get yourself in a situation where you partner with your seller because it can literally change your life. All right, guys. Well, I hope that was uh, good for you. Uh, I hope it was good for you. It was sure good for me. Uh, but honestly, I, I hope that you were able to get some value there because that whole segment that we just went through, can it, it can really do wonders for people. So I hope you learned a lot. Like I said at the beginning of the whole thing, maybe it would be wise to go back and watch this a couple of times and, and do some research to understand how this works. Um, if you want to go out and do a little additional research online, uh, most people might refer to this as a variation on seller financing. And you can go in there and you can look at how all that stuff works. And you can also figure out how to get it on a piece of paper, talk to a realtor, how do we get it in contract, make sure everybody's protected and you know all that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, uh, you know, you, there's a little bit of more legwork that you're going to have to do. But the bottom line is I hope you get the broad scope of how this works and you can go out there and make it happen in real life because it can be really valuable to you. Uh, so with all that said, let's go ahead and dive into the mailbag. I went a little long on that segment, so I'm only going to answer one mailbag question today, but it's a little bit of a doozy. Uh, it's <laughs> This question, when it popped up in my mailbox, I looked at it and I was like, really? Uh, I'm ashamed to say that I looked at the question and I immediately knew what the answer was, and you'll see why I say this. So here it is. Helen says, hey, I'm loving the show. Thanks for everything you're putting out there. I, I think this thing is going really good. I have a weird question for you, but what is your spirit animal? Helen, like I say, I'm ashamed, but I know the answer. I knew it right away because I've actually put some thought into this, and you'll see why in just a second. So my spirit animal is the woodpecker. That's right, the woodpecker. That little noisy bastard who's slamming his face into a tree outside of your window at 6.30 in the morning, every single morning. That is my spirit animal. Not because he's annoying and wakes you up prematurely. Nothing to do with that. The reason I like the woodpecker and the reason he's my spirit animal is because he is Mother Nature's manifestation of the blue-collar blueprint. If the blue-collar blueprint were an animal, it would be the woodpecker. And I'll tell you why. First and foremost, the dude is a tradesman, right? He goes out and he works with his hands or his face every single day, okay? He goes out there and he does physical labor all day, every day. That's the way that he keeps himself alive and he feeds his family. So for that reason alone, the dude's just awesome. Gotta love a woodpecker for that. But here's what I really like about him. See, what the woodpecker's out there doing when he's out there smashing his face into trees all day is not just going in there and, like, catching a termite and eating it and then moving on and looking for another one. He certainly does some of that, right? Like, he feeds himself by literally going around and just catching bugs that are living in trees and drilling little holes in there. But what he's doing when he's banging his head into the hole, right, he's literally drilling a little hole inside of the tree. And what he'll do is he'll run around to, like, hundreds of trees over the course of the day and he'll drill hundreds of little holes. He's making little apartments. And what will happen to these apartments is little bugs will be walking up the tree and they'll be like, hey, look at this nice little apartment. And then they move in. And then guess what the woodpecker does the next day? He flies right back around to the same hundred trees that he went to before. And he starts sticking his beak into all of these little apartments that he made. And he's eating. That's what he does. He's literally feeding himself with the resources that he created by his investments of creating little tiny apartments all over the place. A woodpecker is a landlord, okay? He is a blue-collar, 
guy who has learned his trade. He's real good at smashing holes, you know, smashing his face into trees and drilling little holes. He has earning because he can get out there and feed his little family every day. And he's a churning because he creates his little apartments. Little bugs move in there and he feeds his family with the resources that move into these apartments. And he gets to go back around and make passive income on it because once he eats one bug, it comes back a couple days later, a new one has moved in and he eats that sucker. I don't know how much more perfect that can be. Okay, I, so that's it. That's that's all I have to say to you. If I were an animal, I would be a woodpecker. I think that uh, you know, uh, that's that's just where I would be. So there we have it. Hopefully that answers your question, Helen. Um, I don't know why you wrote in to ask me what my spirit animal was, but that's okay. Here it is. Don't be ashamed of me, but. Uh, be a peckerhead. There we go. Okay. Uh, next up, let's talk about what's going on in my blue collar journey, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. So we are in process right now of furnishing our most recent vacation rental. Got all the final permits, all that kind of stuff. The house looks incredible. I mean, it's really, really beautiful. Got some more landscaping stuff we have to do before it's going to be ready for pictures. But I tend to like to do that stuff sort of like late in the game. I don't want to like jump right into it right off the bat. Uh, but anyway, we're working on getting the furnishings done. My wife, the designer extraordinaire, is uh, very busy going through and finding all the perfect pieces and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's always a lot of fun. You know, you, you, you go through this whole process, you tear the whole place apart, you put it back together, and then you get to really see what it's going to look like at the end, like putting all the furniture and all of the, you know, the pots and the pans and the cups and the all of the towels and the sheets and the beds and all that stuff. I love it. You know, it's fun. Put the pictures up on the wall, really see the fruit of your labor. So that's that's a lot of fun. We're working on that. And I'll make sure I, I'll put some stuff out on the socials so you can see that as it's coming along. Um, and other news in my blue collar life, of course, going out there, doing my popcorn business, doing my drywall thing. I'm also queuing up a handful of contractor projects that I'm putting together on behalf of clients. I don't do a whole lot of that uh, because it's very time consuming and frankly kind of a pain in the ass, but these deals seem like they'd be good opportunities. So we're working on getting some permits and drawings and planning done uh, to do a you know a kitchen remodel over here and a little bit of this and that over there. So that's kind of fun. And then uh, we're also working on getting our permits and drawings and things submitted into the county so that we can move forward with the remodel on the latest flip opportunity, which I told you back uh, about a couple of episodes ago in the how to make 50K in 30 days episode. So we're working on getting that guy the septic company is working on getting the new septic tank installed um, and in fact we just had our demo day today so we're partially demoed out there getting everything stripped down getting ourselves a nice blank slate upon which we can build all of the things that we need to build in order to put that sucker into shape and make a nice big fat payday so i'll keep you updated as we go along and uh, make sure you're following us uh, particularly over on instagram because we're posting updates on all these properties all the time so, guys, I hope that this episode has been valuable to you. I hope you learned something, and I hope more than anything that you take what you learn and you apply it to your life. Remember, ain't nothing happen if you don't get out on the road and start pounding the pavement, right? Put your nose to the grindstone. Uh, be the woodpecker. Start flying around and drilling holes in some trees so that you can start to create the life that you always wanted to create. So get out there and do your thing. The other thing I'd ask you to do is make sure you're subscribing and leaving a comment however you consume this podcast. If it's on YouTube, subscribe and leave a comment. If it's on iTunes, Spotify, any other audio podcast, make sure you're following, subscribing, leaving comments, 
all of that stuff five star reviews you know the whole kit and caboodle do that it'll help me keep this thing going uh, and I would sincerely appreciate it also of course if you have a question in the mailbag like if you are just desperate to know what my spirit animal is or some other such nonsense hopefully you'll ask a little bit more poignant question but if you're desperate to know an answer to a question and I can provide you a little coaching or a little bit of help go over to bluecollarblueprint.com click on the mailbag section and send me a message and if it's something that I feel like I can add value to, I will answer it on the show. Uh, if you know somebody who would be interested in being a guest on the show or somebody who you know is living the Blue Collar Blueprint journey in their personal lives, I would love to hear from them. I'm always on the lookout for great interview guests so that we can bring more value from all kinds of different trades and all kinds of different walks of life and perspectives and even stages in their life. Even if they're in a situation where they're just getting started out, but they're a solid tradesman and they're getting ready to transition into the the earn and the turn or whether they're already at the top of the mountain looking back on a life that they've lived I don't really care I'm just looking for people who can provide you value so if you know anybody like that make sure you hit me up and let me know because I'd love to hear from them with all of that said I hope you learned something I hope you have a great week we'll see you here next time Simperfix. fix <laughs>